You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. text and God's word in just a little bit, um, but I want to show some of the pictures from last week before we get there. We're going to be reading a longer portion today, and we'll get there a little bit, but show some of the pictures. There were three of them. I said, well, I'll just put them all on. So I sent them all uh, here to the PowerPoint and show you. These are, these are uh, they're all good here. You got Madeline on the left and Malachi. They, they caught it. They drew that wonderfully. So Maybe they can call you for a logo next uh, next year for the conference, but but you got the idea there, and uh, even some of the names I think some of them are on there. So anyway, but we were sharing last week from the conference uh, that we went to, all the elders sharing about that. So thank you. Here's the other one from Claire, right? Is this from Claire? Not in here anymore, but uh, there, beautiful flower there, green flower. So anyway, I appreciate those pictures. Thank you guys for that. I do want to do something. Uh, just before we start as well, I'd like all of us just to turn around and look at these two guys in the sound booth back here this morning. Um, <laughs> often, often we turn around at them with kind of a frown if something's going wrong, right? So I hope you have a smile on, but I appreciate George and Kayla back there faithfully serving and putting up some of the stuff for us and uh, doing that work um, every Sunday. And I know when things go wrong, they get the eyeballs. So I wanted to take a moment just to give them some smiles and say thank you guys for doing that. So we appreciate your ministry from the back. So, all right. Well, let me, uh, let me pray for us again and then we'll get, we'll get going here. Lord, we're about to go on a journey through your scripture. Help us not to take it lightly. Before us are the words of God, your words to us, that will guide us, that will direct our paths, that hold out the hope of eternity with you, that point us to Jesus, your great God in the flesh, to the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in each life of the believer. So, Lord, I pray your spirit would guide us as we enter into your word here this morning, I pray that you would speak through the text that we will read. You would take any error that comes from my mouth and may that not be remembered. Uh, but Lord, may we remember what we hear from you. And Lord, I pray that we would not be those that hear and don't go do. That, that count it good to be here in the morning and have no life change. But Lord, we're, we're needy and we're needy for you for both the hearing and the changing And so, Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to guide our time together to exalt your name and your great son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, as we ramp up, we're going to be in in Mark here today. As we ramp up to join again this gospel account of Jesus, we're going to go backwards a bit before we go forward. Um, just to warm up some last we last left off right as we entered into chapter 10. And so next week we're going to be in chapter 10. We'll be maybe a little before that, but we're the bulk of our time is going to be in chapter 10, uh, probably even the first part for a couple weeks here as we look at that. 
and uh, kind of in the hoping and the planning. You never know how plans go, right, according to the Lord. But, but the desire is to join with Jesus in the book of Mark when he enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday. So that's, that's the goal, and that's kind of the general direction of where we're going in our study. So we are not at light, hyper speed, light speed at all, are we? But, uh, but it's good to just slowly go through the Scriptures, and hopefully you're going to help out and actually do that today along with me as we go. Uh, it would be too much for us just to read. I thought about reading all the way from chapter 1 all the way to, to chapter 10, but just be too long for our time together. So I'm going to give kind of... Uh, a little bit of uh, review and background through chapter 5, and then we're going we're gonna to just dive into chapter 6, and we're just going to read through the text. But here's how we're going to read through it. In your bulletin, hopefully, you got a colorful chart in here, if you have one. If you don't have one, Harrison, why don't you stand up? If you Just raise your hand if you need one. If you didn't get one of these, you want to follow along, okay? We'll get him around to where it needs to There's pens, too. If you need a pen, just say, pen. And he's got extra pens there. Okay. We're going to be kind of just filling this in as we go. You're going to be filling this in. Not the whole sheet. There's, there's, uh, we can't do the whole thing, but there's kind of the, the more darkened parts are where we're going to be. Okay. Thank you, Harrison. If he doesn't get, just keep your hand up. Great. So you can get to those. If you look on this chart as they're being passed out, you notice I've, I've kind of done it done the titles twice so you can fold this so it doesn't have to be so big in your in your bible but on the top there are three categories and so what we're going to be doing as we go through and as i read i want you to be just interactive with this thinking through how would i fill in this category so as we go through um when it when we read through uh like mark six we're thinking of jesus we're asking the question who is this man we know he's the god man but who is Jesus according to this chapter? If this chapter is all you had, and maybe you wrote one word, how would you describe Jesus from this chapter? That's kind of what I'm after. Um, but there's also two other characters that show up, character types. Those in opposition, those on the outside, and those on the inside. Uh, those outsiders, those oppositions. Could be, uh, could be demons, could be Pharisees, scribes, people, maybe even Jesus' own family. So what characterizes them from the chapter? We're just thinking of, we're not trying to write it all out. You can do that later. But just, is there one word that kind of says, they are this. This is how I would describe those opposed to Jesus in this chapter. And then, of course, the last column is those on the inside. Jesus says, talks about outsiders, those on the inside, his family, the followers. Maybe we think of the disciples, those that he's called to himself. How would you describe them? Sometimes the description is is good. Sometimes they're like, boy, they, they look kind of like the outsider. They look kind of similar to them. And so how would you describe them? So that's what I'm asking as we go through. I've already done um, for you just verses or chapters one through five. Uh, I left it kind of faded here so that you can go back if you like doing this sort of thing and want to want to do that. You can go back. You can write in your own. How would you describe these people in this book, even maybe as you prepare for next week. So like, for instance, chapter uh, 1 of Mark. We'll look through Jesus. Now, there's going to be way more than just one description. But as we would look through, you could say, well, at least we know, even I think it's from the first verse, He is the Son of God. Okay? 
What about those in opposition? In this case, it's the demons. Here's what's interesting. They, they know Him. They know who He is. Now, that's not a saving know Him, but it's kind of telling that they, they do know Him. What about the insiders? I'm just on the first line. What about the, the followers? Well, they're called. He calls His disciples to Himself. Kind of getting the idea? Mark chapter 2 kind of ends three around chapter 3, verse 6. So I'm trying to divide those up a little bit. Uh, we see Jesus as an authority. An authority. What about those in opposition? It's the Pharisees. And they ask repeatedly, why this? Why that? Why do you do this? Why that? And it ends kind of Jesus saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I'm, I'm an authority here. He's the authoritative one. Uh, what about his followers? He says, remember in that, in that chapter, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. His followers there are sinners who follow Jesus. Mark chapter 3, starting at verse 7 then, he, we see him, maybe one description would be the binder of Satan. But in opposition to that, those Pharisees think he is Satan. What about those that follow him then? They are doers of the will of God. It's that section where it says, who is my family? He says, those that do the will of God. They're my mothers, brothers, sisters, that sort of thing. Uh, Mark chapter 4, there's a lot of parables in Mark 4. And so I just said there, he's the master gardener. He's the, uh, for those in agriculture, he'd be like the agronomist par excellent, right? He's the, he knows how to plant and bring up and, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, God gives the growth. He's the master gardener. Well, for the, those in opposition, those on the outside, they can't hear. They're deaf. Everything's in parables. They don't understand. But for those followers of Christ, those whom He's called, He's given ears to hear. And then Mark 5, uh, again a description. Jesus here being strength and mercy. But those opposed to him, they laugh at him. They scoff. I think this is where he was. Uh, he came to the daughter of, of Jairus, uh, the synagogue ruler, and, and he said, no, she's not dead. And they laughed at him, right? Well, they were on the outside. He took some of his disciples in with him, and he, and he healed. Uh, so his followers, here in this case, in chapter 5, his followers, they beg. They want to be, be with him. That, that demon-possessed man that was free to the demons, he says, I want to be with you. They implore him, you know, come heal my daughter. They touch him. Remember the woman with the discharge touches him. And so I just kind of summed it up. They are believers. They believe this one can heal. This is the one I want to be with. This is him. Well, that brings us up to Mark chapter 6, and that's where we're going to start. And we'll get close to chapter 10 here. So I hope you have your Bible. If you don't, there's one in front of you on the seats or or if you need to go up an aisle to get one, do that. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. If you're in another translation, uh, follow along. If that's hard, just close your eyes. Sometimes you can just close and just listen to the word being read. Um, and so we want to be listening here. What is this saying? This chapter right here, chapter 6. How would you describe Jesus from this chapter? And How would you describe those opposed to him? And then how would you describe those that would follow him. So let's read in chapter 6 because he's heading to Nazareth here. He went away from there and came to his hometown. 
and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah. Others said he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out, said to her mother, For for what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, 
and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do you remember reading through that? I am. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region, began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Take a minute. Find your sheet. Fill in the columns. How do you describe Jesus from this chapter? I'll give you some time here. How do you describe the opposition? Maybe you want to use my words, he is, or something like that, or they, or don't get thrown off by that. Just put in how you would describe these different people.
Okay, we're gonna we'll continue to read on. Fill in more if you need to later. I want to give you at least some amount of time to fill that in. So, okay, chapter seven. We're listening, Lord. What? How would we describe the Son of God here? How would we describe those opposing and the disciples? Chapter seven. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demons out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon 
to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. Taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Again, head to your chart. How would you fill it in? Hopefully you're hearing maybe more than one thing that you could write down there. Who is Jesus according to that chapter? How would you describe him? On to chapter 8. Some it might be more time than need. Some need more. You can fill it in later. Chapter 8. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. Some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat, with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him. 
seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the... 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They told him, John the Baptist. Others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. We're going to stop there. I've got it broken up there. Fill it in so far. Up to this verse in this chapter. Describe Jesus, those in opposition, those that would follow him. If you're looking on your sheet in the color, I think you have something like a 
blue kind of arrow building to this this phrase here that says you are the Christ first chapter 8 verse 29 not original to me to to see this but really I think what we're at what I just read we're kind of remember when we talked about this we're at the continental divide of this book that is coming up to this chapter it's it's just building he's fed 5000 4000 all these miracles demons he's binding satan all these things they're leading up and these disciples say or he says to his disciple who are you i'm the christ it's kind of this this divide moment kind of like a like a climax of, of the first part saying who is this jesus and i hope you're seeing some patterns as you're describing who jesus is here but after that continental divide, you see my arrow kind of, it's kind of red and pointing downward because from here, Jesus now three times will predict his, his uh, suffering, his death, his resurrection. And then we get to him in chapter 11 going into Jerusalem. And then the, the narrative continues from there. So if it helps you kind of just to, it's kind of a general picture of the book that things are growing towards this to his disciples who do you? I know what everybody else says, but what about you guys? And then from this point onward, kind of this, you know, we say that kind of this, this sermon mega title is the way to the kingdom is down, not up. Well, the way for Jesus here is down to the cross. That's where he's heading. And that's, I think, what's going on with all these different predictions of his death. And there's things in between there that we're going to read about, but that gives you an idea. So we're seeing that. So I'm going to read the first section now of this prediction. So I think it starts with a prediction here. What's going to happen to Jesus? And then there's some narrative. Mark puts that in. And then there's another section where there's another prediction. And then there's some more narrative, this sort of thing. I think they're grouped together for a reason here. So we're going to do the same thing. We're listening for who Jesus is, opposition, insiders, that sort of thing. But just listen as I read 831 now through the 29th verse of chapter 9. You'll hear this. So now it's kind of this walk down towards Jerusalem here. I mean, not literally at this point, but, but figuratively in this book. Verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my, of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, 
intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them. O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Okay, last one for us here. Fill it in. How would you describe Jesus from this passage here? What one word would you describe of him? Those that oppose him or those that are his followers, disciples.
we're going to stop here and you can finish the rest if you want on your own. But th- because verse 30 is the next, the second prediction of Jesus suffering and dying and so forth and goes on from there, that's where we'll kind of pick up next week. Um, not filling in another column, but, but we'll be looking at chapter 10 there. I want you to take a moment and just look at what you've written down. If you've gone through some of these, you can unfold the chart. You can look at, look at this just to look back on this. I hope, do you see a building description of who the Son of God is here in that column? And I'm going to do this and have this in my notes, but would you just shout out a, a word, just one, two words that you've described Jesus in this passage? Somebody that's brave, just shout them out to hear. How would you describe Jesus? What are some descriptions? Keep going. Savior. Beloved Son of God. Powerful. Provider. Perfect. Say one. Deliverer. Messiah, the one coming, the reigning king who reigns today, right at this hour and will for eternity. We won't call out the others, all right? They've got a more checkered column, I think, if, if you've followed along there, some of them. Um, there's some mixture of responses in, in everybody that is uh, here Sometimes, especially in those of his followers, I'm thinking in particular of Jesus' followers. They're a mixture. Sometimes they believe. Sometimes they're fearful. Sometimes they say, clearly, you're the Christ. And in the next sentence or two, get behind me, Satan. You don't have your mind on the things of God. They're just, this is how they are. If there was a column for you in here, follower, if you were to put in a description of you, I wonder if you can relate to these disciples. If what you would say, is there one of them that kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm like this. This is how it is for me. Or how you've been responding to the king. You can see their varied responses in there. But if you were to pick maybe one response of the disciples and identify it with it, what would that one be? Out of all these, which one would you say, you know, I'm, I'm like that today. Or I'm like that. Perhaps we need to, uh, like this man here that we just read about, confess a lack of faith. And I love that section of that that guy where his son has had the thing, if you can, everything's possible with Jesus. And he says, I believe, help me for my unbelief. Maybe that's us to cry out to the Lord, to say, Lord, today, I, I believe you. But help my unbelief. We don't maybe often think of praying that way. But praying, Lord, help me with what I'm not able to do. I know I desire that, but my flesh is weak. I'm weak. Help me with that. Maybe it's chapter 7 for you trying to clean the outside while the heart remains in sin. Maybe you've got the outside is clean, 
But there's a reminder here that it's not what we are on the outside. It's this heart. And when we speak, it's an overflow of the heart. And we need Jesus, who's provider, powerful, all we need Him to fix by His Spirit, our heart. So we want to trust in the death and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of sins where our hearts has gone astray. Maybe it's that section on the, the disciples. They followed. They were to. You know, the instruction was to follow at all costs. And we think, man, is that me? Could I put myself in that column? Follower of Christ at all costs. It does not matter what. If not, maybe is there anything in your life keeping you from following God with your whole heart? From, from having another master to saying, Lord Jesus, who, who is all these things, you are my master. I want to follow you. And uh, we didn't get much to it in, in uh, the other chapter at nine. But as these disciples grow, they it seems like they would treasure greatness rather than serving. And, and you'll see that as you read on from there. I think here, as we just kind of close out, the Gospel of Mark, it's not so much, is it, at all, of showing us the greatness of these disciples. That's not, not the point. They struggle sometimes. They almost parallel sometimes, look more like those on the outside rather than the followers of the King. And even here, towards chapter 10, again, as I said, the disciples, they seem to be getting uh, bigger heads as Jesus is predicting. Jesus is predicting, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die. And at the same time, his disciples are going, hey, we got we're on to something here. We got good. And they're just it's good. They're off course once again. They and we like them need Jesus to open the blind eyes. All these parables, these pictures of Jesus, blind eyes. It's hazy to clear. We need that to see Christ for who he is and to change within what we need to to conform to his image. And so I think we come away from this. We pray and we gaze. We pray, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We confess maybe following after lesser things. We admit the desire to be great and not serve others. And then we look by faith to Jesus. I think the danger would be to come away and say, yeah, I'm just like those disciples. And those guys didn't have it all together. and Neither do I. And that sort of thing. I think the point is, as Hebrews says, to look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to fix our eyes on him. And that's what Mark does. Right? You, you help with filling in those blanks. Who is this? He's great. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's got authority and compassion. He's merciful. There's good news to be shared. And he will suffer and be mocked, flogged, beaten, and die for those sinners who would rebel against him but he will not stay there and he will rise to life again. And that's the hope we have looking to him. Hope it's helpful to look through here and be reminded of our Savior again. And if you don't know him, I urge you today, call out to him for salvation. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that these descriptions would be implanted on our minds this week and really in our lives so prone to forgetfulness, we just ask that Your Holy Spirit would help us remember Your greatness. That when we are focused, when our eyes drift and say, yeah, I'm failing there. I should believe and I'm struggling. I should be looking this way and I don't. I should have this cleaned up 
by now and I don't. Lord, that we wouldn't stay there. That we would, Lord, we would repent. We would say, I have sinned. And we would turn again to our wonderful, merciful Savior who is powerful to forgive and cleanse for eternity. So Lord, I pray Your Holy Spirit would do a work in us to conform us to the image of Christ daily. May we welcome that conformity by others, other believers pouring into our lives to help us conform. May we welcome Your grace into our lives. We pray in Jesus' name.